0: Hi, welcome everybody. Welcome to another DevOps Unbound episode. We have a great topic here. My name is Mitch Ashley, CTO with Textron Group. Alan Schimmel, CEO, is uh, off on assignment with some other things happening today. So I'm flying solo with the team here, with the, with the panel. Uh, and before we get into the discussion, I want to also say uh, DevOps Unbound, as, as has been since we started it, actually over two years ago, and continues to be sponsored by Tricentis. And uh, we really appreciate working with the team there and collaborating ideas and finding great people to be part of these this discussion, really on a thought leader level. And, you know, thought leadership to me has kind of evolved to People with opinions. I then mean, we want to hear about what they have to say, right? Just take, take a position and let's explore how we all look at things from a diverse perspective. So before we get into our topic, which is the rings of software, DevOps, SRE, platform engineering, yeah, taking a little bit of a Tolkien approach here. Uh, let's d- take off with some introductions. So um, Adriana, would you start us out? Introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about where you, what you do and where you work.
1: Sure. Um, my name is Adriana Villella. I am a senior developer advocate at LightStep. Um, I focus mostly on um, observability. I'm, I work in open telemetry, so I'm part of the OTEL end user working group. Um, but, you know, I, I love talking about DevOps, SRE, reliability, pretty much anything in between.
0: Great. Pick who's going to go next.
1: Oh, um, I picked Tim.
2: Thank you, Adriana. I'm Tim Banks, uh, lead developer advocate at Dell Technologies, um, kind of operating around, obviously, the the DevOps uh, area, as well as SRE, platform engineering, um, FinOps, uh, a lot of FinOps, uh, as well as uh, general engineering practitioners, uh, both in DevOps and outside of DevOps. Uh, And let's go with Brian today.
3: All right. So my name is Brian Cole. I am the Director of Customer Engineering here at Tricentis, specializing in NeoLoad, our performance testing solution. I've been in the performance engineering space for many decades at this point, uh, and quality is an interesting place to start having an engaged conversation about DevOps. There's been a lot of we want to go fast, but that doesn't mean we want it to not work at the end of the process. We want something good coming out of the end of that. And how quality has evolved in the face of these challenges has uh, been something that I've been intimately involved with for many years. Uh, let's go with
0: uh, Rihanna next. Uh, Taylor, that's where you jumped. Jump oh, to Taylor. Taylor. There you go. No, no first, time, first
4: time caller, long time listener, right, Taylor? <laughs> that's exactly right. No, I'm very happy to be here. Hi, everyone. My name is Taylor Pekacek. I'm currently the head of product for Compass within Atlassian. Atlassian has been around for uh, over 20 years, builds a lot of products that you may know, like Jira, Confluence, um, uh, and really thinking a lot about how software teams collaborate. And I think as we've seen that kind of evolve over time, DevOps plays a big role in that. And then now using a lot of my time being spent on the actual developer experience, so how teams build out platform engineering. So excited to speak about that and how we can uh, contribute to that goal.
0: Nice, great. You all, you all bring a great perspective into parts of or multiple aspects of mm-hmm. that kind of uh, workflow pipeline, lifecycle, software delivery. Well, let's jump into this. I mean, I think we're all pretty comfortable. DevOps has been around. It's not a new thing, it's certainly evolving, and, and uh, more organizations have started adopting or have been using DevOps techniques and technologies and approach. Um, it's interesting. You might say that SRE in some ways, kind of rose out of DevOps, you could you could take another path to that. And certainly platform engineering has evolved more recently, let's say in the last couple of years as something more visible to folks. I think one of the reasons kind of getting back to, I think maybe Tim, you've said, I've heard you talk about it, is getting back to kind of the developer experience. We forgot the developer in the DevOps process. So how do we make things easier for them? So I'm really curious um, how how each of us sees these three things connected are they a venn diagram or you no know, i kind of see them as their own thing and i don't really think that they're that connected are they three separate rings or we've got three of the five olympic rings hanging together here so tim i referenced to you that means you get to defend yourself not that i say oh. anything you need to defend but once sure. you jump in first sure. so I. Uh... You know, I'll, I, I think it's very interesting we're
2: having this talk because I've been working, you know, uh, doing a lot of interviews with folks out in the, in the community and within the practice. And, you know, we still ask 15 years later, what is DevOps? And so many people will give you different answers, uh, especially in, in light of things like platform engineering and SRE. And, and, and I really feel like DevOps isn't a practice, it's an ideology. Right, it's 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 a way of thinking. It's a culture, um, and from those you get the practice of SRE, and the practice of of platform engineering. I mean, these are these are an application of engineering principles to deliver some sort of experience. Right, for a platform, you're develop, develop you're delivering a developer experience. SRE are usually delivering a customer experience. Right. Um, but these are still all within the DevOps ideology. They're they're not. Um, they can't operate by themselves, right? Without a DevOps practice, uh, they're 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 siloed from each other and siloed from other concerns. But certainly, like I said, within the ideology of how within the ideology of what DevOps is, right? Uh, they're a way that DevOps gets done.
0: Interesting. Somebody jump in. I yeah, think, Carol. Um, okay.
3: Yeah, so the I view them as there are separate roles, the DevOps tool chain engineers, the site reliability engineers, and the platform engineering teams, but they are tightly interrelated. I often think of the SRE teams as an evolution out of a performance engineering effort, where we task the performance teams to know and understand their performance tool and how to create scripts and drive load against the systems under test and monitor them and then create recommendations on how to improve those systems. And that's a lot. That's a lot of skills to put onto one team. And the SREs evolved out of that as specialists in how do applications actually use and leverage those systems and the resources being provided by them? How do they optimize the use of the hardware assets, software libraries, all of that kind of thing? Platform engineering is trying to address this other related problem to a DevOps toolchain, where the developers love building things and they will grab the newer technologies and they will begin running through with all of this, create an application build and get ready to deploy it into production. But they did all of their development on the latest version of the database, which is not what the ops team's running in production. So how do you deploy this? Now, are you forcing upgrades to your production sense? And the platform engineering team is evolving out of this need to help provide the systems in time with planned production upgrades to ensure that what's being built to be deployed in the production environment is actually going to work. That there's an alignment between this is the current version and the policies in place and how these things should be managed, here is that system develop on top of this so that when you deploy, you didn't write your software to only work if you have super user admin credentials uh, to the database, that you actually can have security policies in place, that it's gonna be a version matchup, all of these underlying problems that are still bumpy parts of the DevOps journey that we're experiencing today.
4: Yeah, and just to, um, to add to that, like I think what we've seen a lot in kind of JIR software with over 100,000 customers now and just so many different ways that people go about developing these things, we kind of saw the beginnings of DevOps with you build it, you run it, right? And it kind of kicked off this. We kind of saw agile there and you're trying to empower all of these teams. And what we see now happen is that we kind of did it. We gave them CICD, we gave them GitOps, we gave them a lot of control at the development level, right? And so now you're kind of wondering, okay, how do I deal with these large complex systems, both technology and teams and people? And I think SRE takes a very observability role, like reliability perspective on that which you very much need. And I think I have always found it really interesting in the book there that 50% of their time in the Google SRE book was trying to build tooling to reduce toil and to do other things, right? And I think what's platform engineering is coming out is saying, yep, DevOps is this methodology. It's part philosophy, part strategy. SRE had an opinion on that for observability. And now platform engineering is coming in and saying, cool, my customers are my developers. How do I look across that in the entire lifecycle? And make them more productive, whether it's self-serve infrastructure, whether it's development pipeline and unit tests and like build times, right? Because those are small dev loops happening everywhere. Uh, and then you kind of get to the observability side. So I think platform engineering could be starting to collapse some of those efforts and building the right abstractions for it. And I'd be curious how that that merges with kind of the SRE world. Um, it seems like a fitting we...
0: we add you in at this point, Adriana, because you, you are in some sense the glue of some of those things in terms of your work and observability and SRE and platforms.
1: Yeah. Um, I think like I, I liked Tim's definition um, where like DevOps is um, the, the kind of the mindset and then where SRE and platform are the implementations of it. I think... I, I have to call out the fact that, like, one of my pet peeves is, like, DevOps, a DevOps is, like, a thing, a, a job, because I've always been <laughs> of the, the the train of thought that, like, that it, it is not a job. Um, that's a whole other conversation. But um, I think, like, in terms of, like, SRE platform, I think we're generally in agreement that the SRE is concerned mostly with... Um, the external customer, the reliability of of the systems that the external customers are are dealing with. And then platform is more concerned with the internal customer, the, the developer. And I think this idea that like, Yes, we have to standardize on on the tooling that we use, and so the platform engineer and and the versions of the tooling. The platform engineer is like creating those guardrails for for the development teams so that they don't stray off and start doing that thing, doing things that are not compliant. Um, and I think, um, and which is great, uh, but also the platform engineer, I think, has an important job of ensuring that. Um, you know, they're not drowning in like request, t- service requests, like trying to implement the things, like deliver the things for developers that they need in order to do their jobs. Nor do developers want to be waiting around for those things to happen. So now we're seeing the rise of these self-service platform engineering tools, which I think are making everybody's lives easier. Um, because, you know, as a developer, I want to do things myself, but. I can probably get carried away with the shiny new thing, latest and greatest, and and kind of you know not not care about security as much as I should. And the platform engineer is saying, "Whoa, I'm going to give you the thing that you want, but you're working within these pl- parameters."
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I I whenever people ask me what is DevOps, I say, DevOps is not a what; it's a how. It, this is about how we create software and applying some of the philosophies that that helped define what it is. So. I'm in agreement with you about that, it's interesting. One of the themes that that I'm picking up a little bit is um, well, certainly one is is platform engineering focusing on helping de- serving developers, helping them be more productive, right? Some people have said it as we kind of forgot about the developer and all the DevOps and all the other stuff. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, but focusing on making helping make their job easier, I think there's also a deployment side of this, and you kind of uh, touched on this, Brian, of I want to make sure when my stuff gets deployed, right, it isn't just that I have a platform to, you know, hand it over to and it's in a certain structure and a certain way. But I want to know that as we flow software across the the workflow pipelines, right, whatever environment is getting deployed in, I don't want to find out after I'm done testing what I thought I was going to deploy isn't going to work in the environment I'm going into. So it seems like platform engineering is also a connection between production and test and dev. Exactly agree with the,
3: that. The effort to control the alignment of the two. So the two teams are fundamentally at odds with one another. If you talk to an IT operations team, their applications are currently functional, which means don't touch it, change nothing and it will continue to work. <laughs> Whereas the entire developer mindset is I'm constantly changing everything. So Bridging the gap between these two needs, you always need this new functionality, yet you always want your operation space to remain 100% available and performant and of high quality. There's a gap between those. Uh, DevOps is designed to help address a lot of those barriers. And this is through things like visibility and sharing of information between the teams. But the platform engineering, the rise of this as a separate discipline, is really focused on how do we help provide to those development organizations, the platforms that we want them to use, the end result platform they're gonna deploy all this new feature that they're building so that it slots seamlessly into that production environment. And we don't have deployment errors. We don't have deployment defects. We don't have a new challenge where the IT operation seemed like, well, this is great. We've been told to run this new version of the software. All we have to do is upgrade our entire Oracle instance. Great. Uh, Now we've got a major upgrade that we didn't know we had to plan for. This is all part of the collaboration aspects of DevOps, trying to make sure that they're in the loop, that they know what software builds are being worked on and how they're rolling down. More than that, when they plan those upgrades and they want to upgrade their production environment and the systems they're using, there should be a lead time known to the developers so that at some point say 6 weeks earlier if they have a 6 weeks release cycle they start developing for that new system so that as the upgrade happens the new software that's being delivered to them suddenly shifts to be on those new platforms and this is where the platform engineering team's can really provide a lot of guidance and support to those teams that are building the DevOps tool chains that automate the process, and to the SRE teams that are doing the analysis of the systems, helping to understand how they're using those resources and tuning them to use them more effectively.
2: I want to I want to complicate the the notion that the platform engineering team is is serving the internal customer of the developer. Mm. Okay, because in the end, the platform that the platform engineering team is providing is going to be used to provide production. Products yep. to customers, right? Mm-hmm. So really in the end, their requirements should be more informed by SRE and the end goal, right? As for the and 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 then at kind of as a as a you know afterthought almost, then providing a way for the developer to interact with that platform, right? The platform itself is to be used. To build something that's part of the customer experience first and foremost, right? And then we're going to provide an easy and repeatable way for uh, developers to to interact with that platform. It's 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 essentially there. It, the notion is you're building a cloud. You're building what AWS did. You know how many years ago, right? They didn't. It's not that AWS built hardware, not that they were an infrastructure provider, I mean, they are, but that's the least important, that's the least interesting aspect of what they did. What they did was they provided an experience to developers and operations teams on how to interact with that infrastructure, right? And so when they developed, you know, there are 17,000 different ways to launch a container. In essence, they were just doing the same thing is they're saying, okay, we're going to provide a way for developers to interact with the platform, but the platform in the, in the end, right? has to be something that their uh, end consumers or the end, the end customers for these development teams need to be able to consume reliably and, regu- and regularly, right? So I, I do feel like the, uh, that platform engineering has to get a lot of cues from SRA, has to be informed and, and, the, and have their end customer as context, right? So that they can give uh, the, developing, the development teams
4: the tools that they need to succeed. Yeah, that's, uh, I want to add, that kind of getting a little bit into dev productivity, uh, which is a kind of an interesting topic, right? Developer productivity versus developer joy or satisfaction or experience, like we all use these different terms. But I think, um, like, if, if you're ultimately empowering these software teams, you have the business goal out there, but it is an underlying platform. So you kind of want your engine running really well. And I, if you take a really holistic view that I think platform engineering is starting to take it's not even compute or uh, operational side, but it's how do you attract and retain top talent? Uh, As things get pushed down to the API layer and you're assembling software, how do developers kind of work across, where is that API and which team owns that? And how do I contact that team? And like, you know, there's all these like loops that are happening across. And and as we go remote and it's more distributed, we're seeing that become really painful. And so it's almost having the right abstractions, the right information. Um, You can have different tools, but being able to connect that across the tool chain so to speak you're getting the right the right context at the right time for the right person and that's going to speed up so much i mean there's just so much toil there and i'm i'm curious how you, how you all think about maybe developer productivity in that sense or you know what is success of a platform you know developer platform look like
2: if i can if i can go out of turn just to add this to that it's interesting you mentioned about you know, retaining or bringing in top talent because the easier you make it for developers to be productive, the less important it is for you to attract top talent. Right? We're seeing this now with with ChatGPT and other generative AI. Right? You don't have to be top super productive as long as you know how to construct queries or whatever. Right? And if you make a platform that can easily take these things in there, I don't have to have you know the the, the mythical toxic 10X engineer, or whatever, right? I don't have to have the top talent because they don't have to solve these problems as part of their job, right? So I can have a more of a one to many relationship as to the top talent and then many people who are lower on the skill set chain because it's easier for the people lower on the skill set chain to be, to be productive.
4: Yeah, I think that's a good call out. It's, you know, we always talked about. 10x engineers, right? But if you have things like ChatGPT and Copilot uh, and other things, you are also increasing the productivity of um, everyone. And so, maybe and everybody's becoming a 10x engineer. I think our, my stance at the moment is kind of: if you have an, an engineering team over 50, let's say or 100, I just don't see how how you're not going to have some type of like developer experience or developer platform that sits across development you know, build time uh, environments, putting code onto environments and the operational aspects as you kind of share the operational responsibilities. I just don't know how they're going to be able to compete effectively because um, the information will, will be too distributed. They won't be as productive. They'll start to slow down. And I just don't know how that's, how that's going to work. So, um, well. The
3: part I have- that I found um, really interesting that you brought up, Taylor, was about context as well. One of the issues with all of the vast quantities of data that we see across all the different systems that we're using is that the information can be very tailored to one particular audience. So if I take developer logs out of a CI system and try and present that to an IT operations team, they may not understand what they're looking at or how to interpret it. And vice versa, if I take uh, logs out of a system designed to monitor IT production and give those logs to the developers the IT operations teams may be saying, look here, right here, here is the error and where it's slowing down, but the developers don't have the right context to understand that information, the transformation of that detail, so that it's consumable by the different audiences is a key part of how these systems need to evolve and the types of uh, solutions that could be brought to the table. I think platform engineering plays a role there.
0: Sorry, Brian, Uh, Adrian, you know, it, it, It seems to me, we've done some other shows together of other panels and where the word toil comes up, (laughs) particularly in an operational context. Um, But I think what what Brian was talking about is some of that continuity of what's happening in the system and helping, you know, connect the dots, whether it's through the tools or knowledge of what's happening, also falls really well into the SRE role, right? Because they're trying to, develop a more systemic understanding of what's happening and what it can do either to improve re- reliability or resilience or performance. Um, so, so I think there's a wealth of information and some of it, you know, head knowledge, if you will. What are your thoughts on
1: that? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's funny cause I was, I was thinking also from like a, a, an observability standpoint, and I think it's one of those things that, um, It's not just the SRE's concern. It's an everybody concern. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's like your SRE or platform engineer, it's your QA's concern. It's your developer's concern, right? Um, because, um, so your, your developer has to instrument your code so that you're emitting that information so that your system is observable, right? So your SRE or your platform engineer can like go and troubleshoot, Hey, what, what's going on? Depending on, you know, what, what it is you're building your QA can take advantage of that instrumentation because it'll empower them to troubleshoot um, whatever's coming out of of the development team, but also they can take like those traces and create trace-based tests um, so that they can create automated automated integration tests that are, you know, standardized, like no matter what language um, you're using. Um, And and then another aspect, that uh I, I've I've seen some rumblings on, but it's not talked about too much is like observability of CI C D pipelines, where like, mm. you know, CI C D pipelines often often are expressed as code. Um and CI C D pipelines, when they work, they work, but things happen, things fail for whatever reason. So having the observability into CI CD pipelines is super important because you're like, hey, why why is this thing failing, right? Um so bringing that bringing that power across the board, but making it a concern to to everybody, not just like one isolated team, I think is extremely valuable, um, and it's the type of the type of like thought process that we have to start having, and not treating observability as this like little adjacent thing that's like mm-hmm. either either a separate practice or like just the concern of the SRE.
0: Is a whole observability driven design, right? Yeah, exactly. You're designing software, so you're so it is emitting. It's designed so you can enhance it and build it to increase
4: its exactly the value of what it's emitting. Or and everybody
1: leverages it in a different system. in a different way.
4: Um, I I think that's an excellent point that you brought up. Like the main branch being healthy and applying observability tactics, tooling everything to that. I mean, I, I yeah, if observability is kind of how you sense things. And one of, the, one of the key things I see happening within platform engineering is this idea of scorecards or reliability as code or open policy agent and other things where you're kind of taking, you know, codifying these practices or, or, or configuration other things, but it's really kind of defining what healthy looks like. And I find that really fascinating because every company is kind of building these out. They may start with high level stuff like Dora metrics, uh, but really quickly they get into their system of saying, okay, I want to make sure that my main branch is not down for more than an hour every month, right? And people who get to that state, it's like this nice balance between the experts who may codify that and build tooling to enable it, and then giving that somehow to the hundreds of software teams that need to keep that in a healthy state. And I I find that collaboration being relatively new uh, and a lot of value there, a lot of opportunity
3: yeah, I would agree with that entirely. The One of the endemic problems that I see is everybody cares about quality. Quality assurance is not the job of the QA teams. They do quality control. Everybody does QA. It's at, at every level throughout the entire organization. But I look at a lot of agile backlogs, and I don't see performance uh, specifications. I don't see quality uh, time allotted for it. And it, We all expect it to happen, but then we don't put it in the backlog. And this is probably one of the easiest things I can recommend to any potential viewers of this webinar, go and take a look and give your developers time. They'll do what's in the backlog. If you want higher quality apps, budget in a little time for them to build unit tests, build performance tests, build functional tests, build time in to automate that into the tool chain so that your CI system is executing them in an automated and consistent way. And to Adriana's point... If you miss something and you find an incident later, go back and review and figure out what tests you missed and build tests to begin covering that in a consistent, repeatable way continuously throughout. And that's what continuous quality leads to. It's not a burden. Once you invested the time in building these assets, your applications start coming out fully functional every time. That's the goal. That's what we want. I think it's... Go ahead, Tim.
2: (laughs) To the the notion talking about observability and talking about quality, but I think I want to bring it back real quick to relate it to something that Taylor mentioned almost in passing earlier was this notion of being competitive, right? We will game whatever metrics we're measured on, right? So you talk about door metrics, talk about these other metrics. Nine times out of 10, the easiest metric that they're going to contain people is like, how many features did you push out? How many code measures, you use? like that, Right. And you're going to be to to behave in a way that's going to meet those metrics, right? But like Brian said, right, you have to the time to time to build testing in, to do quality first, to do observer, incorporate input from SRE and your observability stack, right? Those are investments, uh, and those aren't going to come out uh, in you know this sprint. As, as like we accomplish all this. Then I'm gonna come out next month. That's a longer-term investment. But the notion of being competitive, right, is what draws us back into very short-sighted thinking and draws, draws us into checkers and not chess, right? So we are going to we're we're telling developers, I need you to work on these features, right? I need you to have these features rolled out. Why? Because we're trying to compete with uh, the boogeyman, essentially. Uh, so we have to get this thing out, right? We have to get this thing out. Why? Because sales said we have to do too. Well, why did sales say we have to do? Because business said, why do we have to do? And in the end, it's arbitrary, right? So we as thought leaders in the industry, and especially those who have engineering leadership roles, we really need to play chess with what we're doing and understanding that creating technical debt by ignoring testing and ignoring quality assurance and ignoring security and ignoring uh, uh, cost optimization for for the benefit of rolling out features to compete with nothing, essentially, right, is cutting off your nose to spite your face. Maybe not this quarter, maybe not next quarter, but it's going to happen, right? And so you have to be strategic about these things, not tactical. You have to go, You when you're writing these tests, when you're building your sprint plans, when you're building your epics and stuff like that, you have say like, we have to budget in the time to do it correctly, right? And that will pay us dividends down the road.
3: It's an invisible cost too, which is the problem when you talk to a lot of business executives. How do you understand mm-hmm. the pain? Well, you set up two identical teams and you have one do it properly and one do it the fast way and then compare costs two years later. Nobody does that right? The the properly structuring out your backlog to include all of this stuff is invisible. You see all the time you spent and the cost you incurred. What you don't see are the production incidents and failures that you avoided as a result of this. And quantifying that is something that can be very tricky to do, right? It's a very nebulous sort of thought experiment for a lot of people, And yet there are a lot of news stories of companies in uh, the news who have had performance failures or security breaches or some other catastrophe that has befallen them. And you definitely don't want that.
0: It's interesting. I had a conversation, this is earlier in my career with a developer and I I said, speed performance is quality. And I kind of got the, I have four, you have four eyes, Mitch. Well, I had glasses on, but <laughs> you know, I was like, no, from a user perception, that's an aspect of quality is if this thing like kicks back right away and I'm not sitting here, you know, waiting five seconds or 10 seconds, you know, th- they judge the quality of the system, whether it's accurate or not. That's also part of it. But you know, if it's highly responsive, you're like, wow, this thing kills. This is awesome. I love this product.
3: That, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. The change in perception over the years, in the year 2000, if that web page didn't load within 15 seconds, I was out. That's down to two seconds, maybe three, if we're being really charitable. Maybe. Um, one of my favorite sayings is your software can be ugly and difficult to use, and your users are going to use it and hate you every single day. If it's slow, they're not going to use
1: it.
2: I I'm going to push back on this one too because I can. Write, <laughs> okay, good. I can write any software that will return a 200 OK to anything you put into it, right? And uh, that may make your user happy today, all right. When when they go to go pull the data from that transaction that they sent and it's not there, now they're upset, right? Fast will get you sales. Reliable will get you renewals.
1: And and I would say on on that same thread, like. You know, it's easy to, you know, install an app, but it's just as easy to uninstall it. And if that app is not working the way that you expect it, yeah. it's gone, right? And and that's, I think, harder to recover from, right? You you have that bad application experience. You're like, hell no, <laughs> I, I don't want I don't want to deal with this again. This is a piece of crap.
3: Yeah. I don't want to order something and get the wrong thing. That would mm-hmm. be a functional failure of epic proportions. Uh, I don't also want to deal with a website where I want to order the thing and it's a 30 minute process to do so. Yep. Yeah. it
2: has to be correct first and then you make it fast.
0: Let me ask this just to kind of guide the conversation to another topic. Um, if there are, what are the friction points with, I'm going to say DevOps, thinking about you know the, the flow of, of how we create software SRE and platform engineering, what are the things we need to work on to increase flow across all of, all of the disciplines, whether you're creating software, you're creating the pipelines and tools to build software, you're SRE and working on you know reliability and performance, you're working on platforms, et cetera. What do we need to make this better? Um, any
4: thoughts on that? First,
0: you know short, Taylor, why don't you
4: start out here? Yeah, I, I'd like to take that one if you don't mind. So I think it goes back to something... Um, maybe Brian, you said, which is the translation of information from different roles and personas and context, right? I think if you look at, uh, you know, I worked at it last year for a little bit, but if you think about abstractions, we always build abstractions in software. And I think what happened with Jira was that you had the right level of abstraction to tie work against a bunch of different roles. Design could get involved. Development could get involved. Feature flags and rollouts could get involved. Business teams could get involved. And you can talk about this kind of common thing and apply different contexts throughout it. It was, it was a little bit flexible, but it had some structure. There's a really great book on this called uh, The Box, I think. It talks about like uh, global trade and how the containers just was like a huge boon to global trade. I, th- I think about that, that same thing of like, well, what's the right abstraction for what application teams are building against and operating against? And you know, is it the underlying EC2 containers or kube clusters or... You know, there's something that's grouping that there's something that the API is being applied to. There's something that support teams are getting requests from and saying, Hey, you know, the boards are down. And then that translates into technology that's becoming more and more distributed. So I I find like the language and the terminology and the abstractions we use needs to be really thought through for teams. And I I find platform engineering is really thinking about that right now.
1: I think for me, like one of the friction points um, that I see is... Teams always being in firefighting mode and not focusing on reliability. Like We talk a lot about reliability, but if there is not time made for reliability, whether you're a platform team, whether you're an SRE team, things are just not going to happen. And making time for reliability also doesn't mean pulling in another team that has nothing to do with that to do the things that make your systems reliable. And and like one of my pet peeves that I talk about a lot is um, uh, relating it back to observability where like, you know, dev teams will instrument their code to make it observable, but then pulling on say an SRE team, hey, you know, you guys make sure, you know, you guys do the troubleshooting or whatever in, in prod. Why don't you instrument our code for us? Why? Like that's not your code. <laughs> like it's not your business. Why are you doing that? So making time for reliability, like you know, um, like Brian said, put that in your put that in your plan. Um, make it a core part of of what you're doing, um, and making sure that the right people are 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 responsible for the reliability of your system. Don't just you know. Shove it off to another team because oh, this team's too busy. Well, if they're too busy, there's probably a reason. I think you need to take a step back, reevaluate the situation.
3: It's uh, it's funny. I come from the performance space, and I was joking on another webinar. All of our analogies are extremely dark. So I want to hit on the everybody's in a firefighting mode. It's like you work at a hospital, and every day at 11 p.m., a patient arrives suffering from multiple lacerations and they're bleeding out, and you're always focused on trying to save that patient and never once do you ask the question, what do you do all day? How are you getting to this point every single day? Because there's a lot of value in stopping that. Why are you constantly in this state of trying to save the patient? And that is fundamentally one of the big problems that I see and a source of major friction between all these teams. There's There's no, if there's time to get it wrong, there should also be time to get it right. Why weren't we just going to allocate some time into the process flow to say, yes, please build some tests. Yes, please build in a reliability strategy. Yes, please build in a proper platforming strategy. Uh, and we won't see a direct result of that because we don't experience the production outages and understand how much that would have cost us now that we're avoiding them. But boy, is it does it pay off. Uh, and that pays off in a lot of different ways in terms of competitive advantage, brand, perception. Uh, quality can be a very subjective assessment by a lot of end users. So there's there's definitely problems quantifying that. What is a fast application? What is a high quality application? You're going to get a lot of different answers if you ask a lot of different people. So there's there's definitely an emphasis on trying to get it right. That I would uh, advocate for. That could be as simple as just adding a backlog entry or doing some testing.
2: I think to tie it back to what Taylor said originally, I think the biggest source of conflict and friction we have there is that folks are operating in different contexts. Uh, I don't want to give it a a morbid uh, analogy, so I'll give it a better analogy. It's like working in a restaurant, right? Your waiter is incentivized to do something Differently than the kitchen is incentivized to do something, which is different than maybe the bartender is incentivized to do something, right? Now, obviously, all of them act together to deliver a customer experience, right? But they're going to have different mindsets and different motivations because they're incentivized differently, right? The waiter is going to be very, very sales focused, right? That's going to be more like your developer. Developers, roadmaps and like that are almost always tied to sales, right? Uh, You know, you've got the kitchen who's going to be, we'll say, we'll say that the SRE, right? Because they're kind of delivering on like, hey, we made this thing, we need to get it out, whatever, whatever. They're focused on like operational goals and things like that. Whereas your platform team is kind of tied, their motivations are tied to keeping the developers happy more so, right? To the extent that they have different motivations, they're always going to pull in different directions, right? Sometimes that tension is good. Sometimes that tension's not so good, right? So you do have to balance that out. But in the end, I think to get people all moving in the same direction, you have to have one overlying context that drives everybody. What that is is going to vary from organization to organization, but that's why leadership is an art and a skill, not just management, right? Um, but that's the thing, how you figure out. To have more cohesion in the team is to incentivize everyone so that they also always have the same context.
0: Well, I think with that, we're just about at the end of our time. I want to thank each of you for contributing, not not just one perspective, but I think each of you kind of looked at all dimensions of it and tried to apply your perspective to that. And I think it's a really healthy conversation, you know, just to leave a parting thought for all of us. we'll come back and talk about this another time is one way to help things flow or help people work together is ask each area of what could you do to help the other parts of the organization improve their work or their workflow, make their job better, whether I'm in development and I can help SRE by instrumenting code or I am in a platform. Here's what I can do to, uh, you know, make the whoever's life better. And that's, that's also a way of, you start putting your, that context, your context into other people's shoes and other parts. I'm not, I mean, i be the expert in those other things, but I certainly can help do what I can to make that better. So parting thought for everybody. Um, Brian, thank you so much. Appreciate uh, you no and the tricentus team and Lenore and also Jody from our team for producing the show. Uh, Adriana, welcome again. Great, great to have you on and, uh, uh, doing doing a fantastic job of bringing the SRE perspective uh, to the table. And Tim, it's it's great. You know, We don't think of Dell as a software company, but it is a software company, too, and getting that. And uh, Taylor, having you on as well, too. I'm a longtime long Jura Atlassian user, so I kind of get where you're coming from as well. So thank you, everybody, for joining us on this episode. Uh, the... the uh, <clears throat> The rings of software, DevOps, SRE, and engineering. We hope you'll tune in. Be sure and check out other episodes of DevOps Unbound on techstrong.tv. You'll find it under the series tab. There are all kinds of great stuff. We also have live roundtables. And you'll see um, uh, they're under the webinar sections under DevOps.com. And those are also engaging because the audience also gets to participate. So, thank you, everyone. Appreciate you listening in and being part of our conversation. And thanks to all of our panelists and their respective companies for being here today.